It's D-E-R-R-Y. Dairy. 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 Oh, I'm saying it wrong. Like, yeah. Greg. Okay. Here's a little yes. challenge for you. Yes. Okay. The ice cream shop, blank queen. Dairy. Yeah. Okay. How's that spelled? D-A-I-R-Y. Great. Now say the name of the show again. Dairy. <laughs> okay. And I've proven my point. Rachel? Jonathan. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, what do we have? We have here a, a another it's sort a sp- of sort of special. I think it's a special episode. Brought to you by our KHs. Mm-hmm. Um, our sponsors. Our long-running sponsors who will sponsor us, I think, for the end of time until we get another sponsor. Well, let's be clear. Um, and I know the KHs They have no idea that we're still plugging them. No, 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 no. They're listening. Um, I think they've got one left. Ooh, so you've actually priced this out. I've priced this out. Okay, I'm yeah, glad that there's I've a I've priced this out. It's it. The math doesn't come out to anything like an even number. Sure. You know, it's um, but um, I have priced it out. I think they have one left. Okay. Um, and um, but while we're at it, CCI.org, uh, Canine Companions. Um, I can never remember the last for independence. For independence. There you go. Well, there's no F in there for. Yeah. Book. What do you call those words that are included in the acronym? Is that what it is? Are they always prepositions? I feel like the prepositions are never left into an acronym. It's rare that they are. Okay. So the is a preposition? Okay. Or it's an article. It's an article. Oh, it's an article? Yes. For is a preposition and the is an article. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes articles, sometimes the, uh, yeah. I mean, sometimes prepositions are left out of the acronym. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. We said, we've said a lot about dogs. Um, mm-hmm. What are your feelings about cats? Oh, I love cats. Could I'm cats, very allergic to them. I'm allergic to cats as well. But I love them. Are they? Could cats ever be harnessed by CCI? No. They're way too bitchy. Like, and they're just way too independent. And they're not, they're not helper animals. My main knowledge of cats comes from the stereotype around cats. Yeah. Of this kind of... It, it, Stereotypes exist for a reason. Moody, intelligent, fairly independent. I mean, they've already got the independence part. That's true. The companionship, (laughs) they're they're good companions. But I feel like what canine companions might be missing from it is like the... So maybe maybe the (laughs) cats need a canine. There you go. Uh, Yes. Because the cats have the independence. Yes. They just Um, need, yeah. The canine will make it... No. No, they have the independence. Yeah, but canines are more... um, they're more loyal, let's say. Yeah. Cats have no allegiance to you. You just happen to own them. Right. If you die, the second cats you die, they'll eat your will face. Eat you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That to me is the stat. <laughs> They're opportunists. That's the main thing I remember. Yeah. All right. So enough about cats. Right. Dogs. Um, any, anything? Dogs. Yeah. Um, They're good. They They are good. <laughs> dogs. Are you allergic to dogs too? Um, I am. I am allergic to like one or two kinds, hmm. uh, but in general, I'm fine around hmm. dogs mm-hmm. and I can like pet, pet them, them and touch them it's good it's not it's not it's not an issue um okay. okay let's let's talk about what he saw she saw is mm-hmm. um so you've seen some stuff so many things that I haven't seen uh, there's a little bit of a wrap-up of 2018 not yeah. so much talking about the year but just kind of talking about by the way actually sorry yeah. before we get to that there yeah. was there was a question I wanted to ask yeah we talked about all our best from 2018 yes what was our worst is that what you're thinking what was our what was the worst I really am angry about network. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think we have an easy out here. Yeah. Like, we, we don't have to choose on a small play to just beat it up. Mm-hmm. We can really beat up on a big mm-hmm. uh, gorilla. Not King Kong. No, uh, which we got to... I want to see You want to see King Kong? Come on. Um, so anyway, don't want to beat up on right. this. Um, but network, um, it was... Um, it un- felt like a giant... 
fuck you to the audience. Like, yeah. it really did to just, to... It was lazy and yeah, arrogant at the same gimmicky. time. and gimmicky. And gimmicky. And, you know, I, I would think, I'm, I'm so pro-Cranston. Mm-hmm. I'm so pro-Cranstonization mm-hmm. of, of, the, of the theater world. I want him to do more and more. You know, it just, it, this was so lined up to be... Great. It was, great. It, but it was inevitable. Okay, so we're on, feel, the, yeah. we're on the same, we're on the same page. page for sure. Okay, now we're wrapped up with 2018. Well, one oh, more thing about oh. Van Hova, about IVH. IVH. I recommended to you, or I was going to recommend to you when you're in London. Yes. But it's not open yet. The All About Eve adaptation for yeah. the stage. I'm really excited about it with Gillian Anderson. And then I found out IVH, IVH. is directing. I'm so mad. <laughs> So never mind. That's ridiculous. Yes. That's ridiculous. He's everywhere. He's he just cropping up Well, this everywhere. is what I'm saying is that yeah. he spread himself too thin. This is like, this is like, it, it's like Frank Geary after Bilbao, Spain. Like the, the Bilbao, the Bilbao Guggenheim. Mm-hmm. It was just like, he did like every single project for a while, but like none of them were that good. Right. Because it was always just like, Variations he did his on thing a theme. and whatever, you know, I mean, yes. yeah. I mean, a lot of people made that comparison. That's not true. Nobody's made that comparison. <laughs> Nobody knows what I'm talking Trailblazer. about. Trailblazer. Um, you've seen some stuff. Mm-hmm. I've seen some stuff. Um, my stuff is uh, the two plays I'm going to talk about yep. are from London. Mm-hmm. Uh, so True West. It's good to be talking about it, though, because there is a New York new version of True West with um, Ethan Hawke and Paul Dano. Dano. And the other one is The Inheritance, which is an epic play from London, which I will probably talk a little bit more about. The True West I saw in London had Kit Harrington, otherwise known as Jon Snow, um, and another guy who I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at his picture, but I don't know his name. Um, the yeah. other guy was better, by the way, oh. as an actor. Anyway, I'm going to talk about that. What are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about uh, two New York plays that happened towards the end of the year. One I mentioned in my best of 2018, Slave Play. Yeah. I'm just going to talk a little bit more about that one. Right. And then um, a play by Ming Pfeiffer that was at the Roundabout called Usual Girls. Oh. So I'm gonna I've about never heard too. of that. I didn't even know you saw something. Yeah, it sold out. The second it went on, it like sold out. How does this Got happen? extended and got sold out again. How does that happen? Part of it, I think there was a lot of buzz around that one, at least. Where's buzz? What's the buzz? You in, and I industry. are the buzz. In industry. And Where it's are a the very... industry? <laughs> We're not the We're industry, the Jonathan. Buzz. We don't work in no, theater. No, look, I'm pretending we are until <laughs> yeah. we are. I like it. Fake okay? it till you make it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm just saying, like... Where, where where's where, the buzz? Where's the buzz? Well, because also the, the tell space me what's that, happening. The space, the space that it happens in is roundabout underground. Yeah, super small space, like oh, okay. not permanent seating, just chairs. I see. So very that thing sells out quickly if yeah. it's good. Um, so this is one then, of those plays like eight hundred thirty-six people are going to see. Right, right, right. And um, I think uh, like when I long, long time ago when I worked in the theater, I do remember that in theater companies when word got out that something was good, it. I mean, it traveled very quickly. Yeah. And you were done. Yeah. You're done. Well, I guess I'll take another stance toward it. Instead yeah. of being upset that I, instead of the FOMO I'm feeling, yeah. um, I'm glad one of us saw it. There you go. And we get to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. You know why? Because we're the insiders. Yes. Uh, great. Before we do that, we just had a long holiday break, and I, and I just watched a ton of stuff. I know. Because you were in the city, right? I was in the city. I didn't go anywhere. Me too. Because uh, I had a lot of travel. Um, so some of it's 
theater related. Uh-huh. A lot of it's like kind of TV and movies. Yeah. But I like going over that stuff with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. And and it's the only thing that actually people who listen to we this could actually have, have seen. seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So do you want to lead with just like the rundown of? Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna name everything. Yeah. Great. I, so In I'm a just giant gonna, list. I'm just gonna list it Same. down. Okay. Uh, binged Mrs. Maisel season two, mm-hmm. Springsteen on Broadway mm-hmm. on Netflix. Which you asked me to watch, and I was like, Which I, I do not have time, nor yeah. do I want to. Uh, Fargo, the TV series, season one. Which I really want to uh, see. I really want to see it. Um, First Reformed, the film with I Ethan Hawke. And I told you, my mom is desperate for me to watch it. I will watch yeah, it. It's, it's, yeah, it's something to talk about. Um, Escape at Danamora. Mm-hmm. The Ben Stiller directed, uh, also pa- Paul Benicio Dano. Del Toro. Paul Dano. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, Vice and um, the Golden Globes, uh, which is worth five seconds of talking, I think. Yeah. And then I did that. This is really, <clears throat> these are all ones I'd seen before, but I did a minor Mamet film rewatch. And I know you're not a big fan of Mamet. No. But you know, he was a pretty prolific director writer for several years. So I would tell you all the ones I rewatched. And I did them specifically because I, I liked, I was in that state and I was enjoying it. State in Maine, The Winslow <sighs> Boy. The Spanish Prisoner, Spartan, Wag the Dog, Heist. And you didn't do Glen Gary. No, I've seen it so many times. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I, that's, I mean, I, yeah. that to me is on another level. Got it, that's, got it, got it. These are his so you did minor, his minor. These are the minor. It's minor crap. mammoth. Yeah. It's what I call minor mammoth. <laughs> yeah. If it were a play season, like the way it's Pinter at the Pinter mm-hmm. in London right now, mine would be called Minor, minor Mammoth. mammoth. Yeah. Except it'd be movies. So, again, I told you how much I hate him so much, I and know. I've seen so many of these things, but yes. I've even read his book on directing. Yeah, I've read that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't like the book? I actually didn't hate the book. Oh, okay. That one I was You know okay who should with. read that book? Mammoth? IVH. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to run down? Um, so, my rundown, I also watched Maisel. I really want to talk to you about that. So okay. I feel like we can dive in a little bit. I watched Dairy Girls, which I'm obsessed with. I, I went wait, into, wait, 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 say it again. Dairy Girls. Actually, so D, actually, can you spell that? Please? I think I want to recommend it to you, but I'm a little scared. So yeah, if of all my list, I think this is the one you actually should watch. It's D E R R Y Dairy. Dairy. Oh, I'm saying it wrong. Like yeah, Greg. Yeah. No, you're saying okay. Here's a little yes. challenge for you. Yes. Okay. The ice cream shop, blank queen. Dairy. Yeah. Okay. How's that spelled? D-A-I-R-Y. Great. Now say the name of the show again. Dairy. <laughs> okay. And I've proven my point. What is it? Dairy? Dairy. 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 <laughs> this it's, is my problem. It's like Mary, Mary, and Mary. There are people what? who say... Okay. If I were to say to you the name... Well, uh, I just gave it away. Yeah. But, okay. Mary. Uh, it is a... A name. Right. Mary. Also a name. No. Are you joking? Mary. 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 Is what? They got married. Ah. Okay. And okay. then blank Christmas. Mary. Mary. <laughs> no. It, it's so obvious I'm right because all three of the words are different and they're spelled different I and they know. have different meanings. And when you say it, it's so exactly the same. This is my problem with... with Northeasterners wo- no, is that we, we actually pronounce, pr- pronounce things. things. No, it's with words that end in E-G, like... I'm going to say them. And you're oh, gonna oh like the way you say Greg. Like right, the way you Greg, say our colleague Greg. Greg, Greg you say Greg. Greg. As if it's C-R-A-I-G. I peg, and leg. <laughs> How do you say okay. them? Uh, sorry, Just say those thing. again. Egg, leg, and peg. Egg. Yeah. Leg. And peg. peg. So did I say it right? Yeah, those are correct. So, But, but I've those asked all have the same no, vowels in the middle. No, but I've asked people and they said that, I'm adding, that I'm adding a Y. That I'm saying no, egg. No, I know when you add your Ys like you do with Greg. Greg. But when you just said it right there, leg, egg, 
I didn't uh, have whatever. it. Um, I no, genuinely no, cannot hear the difference between it, anything. And that's why you're just cool. a little bit below me. Right. So yeah. Dairy Girls. <laughs> Dairy Girls. Dairy yes. Girls. Uh, is about, it's only six episodes long. It's, Brit- it's a Northern Irish show. Ooh. Now, bear with me. It's a half hour. It takes place during the Troubles. Oh, oh. But yeah. it's about an all-girls school yeah. during the Troubles. They're going through adolescence. Uh-huh. And so the... What age girls? This is like... They must be like 15, 16. Okay. And um, maybe 17. But they... Uh, yeah. uh, all of it is sort of framed with the Troubles are in the background. And it's a nuisance to the family. <laughs> that like there's a bomb on a bridge. Right. And they're like, how are we going to get the kids to school? Does politics ever come into play At in the a very, way? very end. Okay. There's sort of an allusion to something heavier. When for the first time there's like damage done. That's okay. the season finale. Got it. So anyway, uh, it's a nice companion piece to the ferryman. Totally. Or or do you <laughs> no say ferryman? Ferryman. Ferryman. Is that wrong? Yes, it's ferryman. Fe- ferryman. <laughs> I Amazing. Can't hear it. Amazing. Wait, just say it one more time. Ferryman. You're saying it fast enough okay, that it's ferryman. correct. Oh, ferryman. <laughs> It's borderline. Okay. Um, what so else? So Dairy Girl. Yeah, Dairy Girl. Um, then I was on a... Dairy Girls? Or Dairy, Dairy Girls. Dairy Girls. Yeah. So I was on a, a British fix. So I, I watched that. I watched The Windsors, which is a satire of like Kate and William and Harry. Delightful and stupid. Okay. Um, I watched The Fix, which is a, an import on Netflix that's uh, oh British comedians and they bring American comedians to fix big issues like the gender pay gap and... Uh, Wealth disparity and everything. So, yeah. Anyway. And then I saw uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Internet, which was delightful. Delightful. I really like those oh, movies. It's an animated film. I really like them. Wonderful. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots, which was disappointing. I've heard that. Yeah. I-, I finished the final seasons of Orphan Black and The Americans. Yep. And then... You're making me feel better about my life. I, I, yeah. I make everything Both of us better. need to be in a relationship. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, How's I watched, dating going? Not Rachel? great. Not great, Jonathan. It's non-existent at this point in time. <laughs> I wonder I, why. <laughs> I have too many things to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You take this over a date, right? You take all these? 100%. As bad as some of them are, I don't care. I'll take them all over a bad date. But no, no, no. Not a bad date. Of course you'll take it over a bad date. Yes, I take them over a date. An unknown date. Yes. But it could be amazing. Yeah, but that's too much of a risk, Jonathan. (laughs) When I could be with Netflix. You know what? You know what? I go through the same thing, except at least you don't have to pay. That's true. Except I do. Because everyone I go out with... Wants to split the bill. You really need to look at some of the financial mm-hmm. decisions you're making in your life. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about yeah, this yeah, before. Yeah. Um, I also watched Love Gilda. I don't know what that is. That was the one, the documentary about Gilda Radner. Oh, okay. And then the last thing that I just made you buy tickets to is I saw Blue Ridge at okay. the Atlantic. But maybe we shouldn't talk about that now. Yeah, I'm nervous about. I'm nervous about that one only because you're seeing it closing night. Uh, day before closing. Okay. Yeah. But still. Why? You we think were... they'll have just be no. phoning it in? No, 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 no. I think it's fine that you did that. I'm just thinking in terms of the release dates of these. We've gotten into a I, pattern. Does it not matter? I, well, I, again, I think I, I think, um, I think, for the Broadway shows, it matters that it's still uh, open. Okay. So for I think Broadway, for the you're little like, screw stuff, them. Well, nobody's going to see nobody's it anyway. Nobody's going to see it anyway. No one's, definitely enough. no one's going to see I mean, unless something's amazing. And if it's amazing, it, it, it tends to be transferred. Right. Anyway, that's it. All right. So let's let's do some of the overlap stuff. Let's okay. start with Maisel, Maisel Season 2. Yes. Um, What's your, like, just initial takeaway of Maisel? Uh, I thought it was more ambitious and a tad bit sloppier than mm-hmm. season one, but are you so thinking ambitious in terms of cinematography? C- cinemat- just yeah. everything they tried to take on, which yeah. was quite a bit, um, but so brilliantly uh, 
just fathomed, you know, just just the the notion of what they're trying to do and all the different stories they're trying to tell, um, the number of times they try to be funny and it is funny um, because they're not funny every time. Yeah. Um, I think I, I suspect we both agree on a moment the wedding where she where she launches yes. it. I mean, it was uh, it was beyond cringeworthy. Yes. Right. It was unwatchable. Uh-huh. I, I actually I fast forwarded it. it. Yeah. I fast forwarded too. I couldn't take because I knew it was going to happen. That said, um, there's her. And she's great. And she she probably is the only person who I think had a little bit of a worse season just because season one was so, was so high. Yeah. I think every other character in the show had a better season two. Alex Bornstein. Had like a uh, great, unbelievable. Yeah. And then the shift to the um, fantasized version of the Catskills. Yeah. Um, really something that's... You know, I think referenced a lot and talked about a lot, but on TV and film has never been done really well and like since before, since they did uh, Dirty, Dirty Dancing, Dancing, basically. And this... And even that was like a little bit too late. Yeah, to, yeah. exactly. That was a little bit late and it was it was not, it, you know, it didn't do what this did. Yeah. And this was, I mean, it, it, it just seemed to have a perfectly deft hand at being like... Um, Enough accurate to the time period, but but also a little bit of a wink of like we're removed from it and we're going to make fun of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you, the audience, know that this can't all be as polished and beautifully neurotic and and interwoven into this story as we're trying to make it. But that's okay. Yeah. And um, I, look, it's it's pretty incredible. I think it was a pretty incredible show. I agree. I yeah. really love it. But the reason I wanted to talk to you about it is because it feels it, it, it's nice that you agree to this because I, um, I, I've been having a conversation for the past two weeks with a friend of mine who he's in his 60s and he is a TV writer. Um, and so he kind of knows this area pretty well. How are you well. two friends? Oh, we worked at a screenwriting school together. He was oh, an okay. instructor. And um, he... Uh, <laughs> And we tend to have these debates mostly about comedies, because he's a TV comedy writer, yeah. that I have decided it's with female protagonists, mm-hmm. seem to bother him. Okay. He denies that that's why. Okay. So with this one, his problem is it's not funny. It, that's... It's shticky, which I think on purpose, many times it is. Yep. He thinks it's, he's not Jewish, but he thinks that it's... Too Jewish? Way too Jewish. Like, yeah. way too, like, almost stereotypically offensive. Yeah, yeah. I've heard the anti-Semitic yeah. kind of overtones to it as well. Exactly. I, and he thinks the yeah. anachronisms bother him. That kind of thing. So I... From the way they speak? The way they speak. Yeah. The use of, like, totally in all language. All the cursing. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Really bothers him. So we've gone back and forth sending think pieces to each other from, like, different oh, sources to be like, this is why. So he sent me one about the anti-Semitism. And yeah. I was like... This writer is insane. This clearly his anger, his self-loathing that he's described has much more to say about him than it does the show. And like all these points. But I found one article that he has yet to respond to me about that perfectly synthesized what I think is working in the show. Because I was like, there are flaws to it, I grant you. Like she's a terrible mother, but I think that's part of it. (laughs) I think that adds to the humor. But I'm actually, I'm going to read a quote from, it was in the Atlantic. And I don't even think she's a, terrible mother as much as it's a fantasy where she's yes, a non-mother. it's a fantasy. She's a non-mother. She's yes. not a bad mother. They, they they have scenes where she's with the child and it's fine. Yes. It's just, 
it's just they say, how could she be doing all things, these right. things, and, and also, still be a mother? Exactly. But but the show is making is just making a choice to be like, that's not the story we're telling. I agree. So you're just going to have to fill that in with, with your right. mind. Just like let it go. Just what let it go. What do you mean you're writing think pieces? No, I'm not writing think pieces. We are sending existing think pieces oh, that oh, people oh, have written okay. <laughs> to each other. So like one, yeah. uh, the, the anti-Semitic one that he sent, the guy, the writer said something like, I don't understand why there are no grandparents in this family. That makes no sense. If it's truly Jewish, the f- grandparents would be all over it. And it was like the generational Is that thing, proof like of the, anti-Semitism? Ra- I don't oh, understand. Is that a stereotype of Jewish... Uh, stupid issue they have. <laughs> is that a stereotype of how Jews are portrayed? Yes. Grandparentless? Yes. How dare they? <laughs> so... Uh, in response, I sent this article from The Atlantic that I don't remember the name of it, um, but it was a lengthy article about yeah. why it was so appealing. And the writer, a woman, said, um, The genius of the show is that it allows her to enjoy both the best of the glamorized 1950s and the best of today without any of the difficulties, inevitable trade-offs, and transitions that women have spent the past 60 years navigating. So yeah. the idea that, like, it's... It's a show set in the 1950s, but it is so clearly told through the lens of the 21st century. Yes. That's what I find appealing. Right. It's absolutely fantasy. It's like an idealized world in which she can truly have it all yeah. in a really horrible time for women. Yeah, and to be honest, I don't even think it's limited to that. I think it's, um, even though some anachronisms creep in, it's doing a good job of also uh, removing that patina of the 1950s, which America still has um, off of it and not simply from a race perspective. Yes, Mm -hmm. they're Jewish, but it's not, that's not really the point. It's just that they, they, they show people living real lives in a given time that we paint over and, and put in this kind of, you know, pretty much on a pedestal. And it kind of just takes it off that pedestal. It's just like, look, they're just people. And to do that, it needs to speak to us in a language that we understand a little bit. Because if it got caught up in all the 1950s Well, and that's, stuff, that's the thing. It takes away all the issues. So, like, she exactly. has no barriers to her. There is no racism. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't see any of that. Right. There's also no black people on this show, so that's a slight issue. But still, it's, it's absolutely a romanticized version of it. Mm-hmm. Um but that takes away all of the sort of stink from mm-hmm. that time. There are there are some black people. Uh, there she are? works with that. Uh, she works with uh, someone at uh, in the like phone banks or something. Uh, no, in the at the makeup level. Oh, wow! I totally missed that. Yeah. Okay, so that's pretty much it for what overlaps that we've seen. Yeah. Correct. Okay, so let me go through quickly. Yeah. The other stuff. Yeah. Okay, Springsteen on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Hottest ticket in town. I for know, the last and I love that it's recorded. Months. So it's like you paid fifteen hundred dollars. Now you could just watch okay, so, it. So this is what I. So this is what I'll say. Okay. okay. So um, I've been. I feel like I have a. a, a I've always Did you had see a. It? Yeah. Like, oh no 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 no. no, no, no. Okay. I said no no. I only no. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Right. Yeah. You're not a sucker. Um, I've never paid to see Bruce Springsteen, and yet I've seen him live. Mm-hmm. Um, first time I saw him live. I ever tell you this? Mm-mm. You know who I sat next to? Who? Uh, Ivanka, Jedward? Ivanka Trump. Oh, you did tell me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Jedward? Yeah, yeah. Um, everywhere. Uh, yeah, Ivanka and Jared. Yes, um, yeah, I do remember that. It was a whole thing. I didn't know it was Springsteen. Uh, yeah, it was Springsteen. Uh, mm-hmm. Great content. Nice. Um, this is how I've always felt about Springsteen. He, I like him, and I like his um, his aura and his, um, uh, his voice and the little stories, and I think he's smart, and I like that he's from New Jersey and wears it on his sleeve. Um, I don't know if you ever saw, this is another trail I go down sometimes when I'm on vacation. Um, I like 
good award show presentation stuff. So I've like rewatched many times like the Tina Fey and Amy Poehler oh, so opening to the, the Golden, Golden Globes, Globes the that years they good. did those. Uh, I've rewatched those many times. I've watched like like Will Ferrell and Jack Black do their intro sometimes at the Oscars, which like there were a few years where it was hilarious. Uh, they add lyrics to this to the music that plays you off when your speech is going <laughs> on too long. It's so funny. Another one that I watch is um, at the Kennedy Center Honors. Mm-hmm. There's a great one. When Bruce Springsteen was inducted, John Stewart did the introduction. It's one of the funniest things. Really? And Bruce is sitting right next to President Obama. You just see the two of them just dying <laughs> laughing at what John Stewart's saying. Like, John Stewart makes this whole speech about the American songbook. And he goes, I am none of those things. I understand none of this but I am from New Jersey. <laughs> and it's like, because of that, I, I understand. understand. It, but he, I mean, obviously I delivered miss, much better. By the way, I am now sad because I miss John Stewart. Uh, everyone misses John yeah. Stewart, I think. Um, and um, um, so anyway, I've always liked that part of Bruce. This is how I feel about his music. I feel like he's got five great songs. Mm-hmm. He's got 10 really good songs, mm-hmm. good to really good songs. All the other songs are completely bad. useless to yeah. me. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if they're bad. They're just all the same. Mm-hmm. They are all the same. Mm-hmm. And so for that, I don't have that thing of like, I need to experience. Um, I, I find him and his life and sort of his, as I said, his kind of aura and sort of the musicianship around him. I find all that to be interesting. The fact that his whole band has become famous, you know, uh, Stevie Van Zandt yeah. and Max Weinberg. And, yeah, yeah. You know, every, you know, they've all gone off. They've all got right. Like, I mean, really... I mean, there's all this Clarence, the saxophone player, has, became his own, you know, thing. Um, I find all that fascinating. And so I liked this because I liked hearing about it. Quite frankly, I would fast forward to some of the songs, uh-huh. you know. And the thing is, I think live, it would have had more. You more could, energy. You, you could feel that energy yeah. in the room. And when I saw him live, I have no memory of ever being bored for one second. The guy's energy level is beyond. How old is he now? I think he's, I think he is um, in his 70s. I mean, I think he's late 60s, early 70s. Um, and he looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not saying it's all natural, but he looks phenomenal. And um, I mean, when I saw him, okay, so he was 60 maybe or 61, 62. His, the thing that you cannot plastic surgery is running around the stage. Yeah, that's crazy. Jumping, sliding, diving. That's crazy. And, it, and, it, and, and I always, I, before you see him live, it could come off as a little bit silly, but when you see him live, it is so in tune with the feeling in the stadium. That it doesn't feel you weird. Give, you just give yourself over to yeah. it. And in that way, I do think, Bruce is a live performance guy. Mm-hmm. He's not someone who, again, but for maybe five or six songs, I really kind of want to sit down and listen to the music. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the exact same thing I walked away with after watching the thing on Netflix. Fair enough. Yeah. Does I'm that make you? Does that make you want to see it? Yeah, no, not Do at all. Do you have any follow-up questions? No. Okay, I'll take a break. You go. <laughs> oh, um, well, so we kind of talked about Dairy Girls. I really would like you to watch. It's so quick. How, how long is it? Like 25 minutes, six episodes. Oh, I don't like short episodes. Too bad, Jonathan. Okay. I guess I could watch two in You're a row. so opposite. <laughs> if someone is like, it's 10 minutes and there's two episodes, I'd be like, I'm in. <laughs> Five minute episodes. Yes. That's where we're headed. Yes. Web series. Yeah. I have that attention span. Yeah. Uh, but you think I'd like it? No. No, you don't. But I'm curious. Why don't you think I'd like it? I don't, you know. Is it soap opera-ish? No, not at all. It's comedy. Oh. And it's, maybe you would like it. I don't know. I'm always, because you like, you like a variety of things. It's very, I, I made Havercate watch it and she was like, it is so much energy. Like the, the actresses. Okay, I'm going to give it a go. It's on Netflix? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, Dairy Girls. Dairy Girls. Dairy Girls. Dairy Got girls. it. I assume it's girls who uh, Milk cows. deal deal with cows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exclusively in in, in in Northern Ireland. Correct. Yeah. You got it. You nailed it. that cow yet? It's the accents are amazing. I'm sure it's. I I'm watch sure it with captions exclusively. Yeah, yeah. Do you know I watch almost everything with captions? I do too. It's actually like, become a common. I like seeing. I like you could sometimes just pick up on some things like the spelling of like names. Exactly. And so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we're so boring. I can't believe we're it, not but... just boring. We're um, <laughs> we're 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 very like literally old. Yes. Like literally, we do yes. things that. Ancient that are people meant for do. old people, right? I'm not saying old like in an insulting way. No, I'm saying like these things are just like you and I are gonna start going to the theater and yes. putting in those friggin' hearing and devices. I know, just because we're like, just because we're, we're like, gonna get you know, a little just, bit more. We're only getting 95 percent of the dialogue, and I really like to get 100. percent I want to hear the breathing <laughs> completely. Yeah. Okay. So yes, the captions. Yeah. Um, the fix. So. You've been to London several times. I'm about to go again. Have you watched a lot of their television? Yes. Okay. You know that they're really big into like celebrity panel shows. Right. Celebrity in quotes. Oh, yeah. yeah they yeah. are unknown to anyone they're, except like right. a very Every audience. once in a while, one or two of them break out and yes. do like a special in the U.S. and then quickly disappear again. Correct. Right, right. Yeah. All of these people are like... They're very minor, funny though. And they're minor celebrities yeah. in the U.K. Like yeah. the U.K. people know them. Right. No one in the U.S. knows them. Right. So this one is hosted by Jimmy Carr. I know, who Jim, I know right. absolutely who Jimmy Carr is. And I would say he is maybe the, of the people in that circuit, He's the he most is the one to most make it to yes. the U.S., but it has not really taken. No. Yeah. But yes, I would agree with you. He also has the best laugh, most irritating best laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, Jimmy Carr. Yeah. He hosts the show uh-huh. and he has, it's, they always do like, it's competitive, so they, like, all of these panel shows are competitive. Right. There's some stupid competition. But it's a fake competition. It's a fake competition. Yeah. And uh, so the two uh, captains for each team are D.L. Hughley. Oh, D.L. Hughley, sure. Yeah, yeah. people he know on, him. He's on Bill Maher a lot. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And Catherine Ryan. Do you know Catherine Ryan? Katie Ryan. Uh, <clears throat> Katie Ryan. <laughs> no. Good old Katie. Kathy Ryan. No, I don't know who Catherine she is. Ryan yeah. is, like, a minor celebrity in the U.K. Okay. But she's Canadian. She's lived in the U.K. forever. And, and T.L. Hughley's American. Yes. Yeah. So it's weird. They clearly filmed this in the U.S. Yeah. But they were like, we're going to bring a British team over. So it's Catherine Ryan and Jimmy Carr. And then every other guest on the show tends to be American. Got it. Which is weird. Um... So anyway, so Catherine Ryan, I had found out about her because I watched her stand-up special. She's a, a weird comic. I really like her. She's quick. Um, I don't know how much is prepared. Anyway, so they uh, the competition is they take on something like the aging population or social media and how it's destroying our lives, and they have a guest comedian come on and play on the teams, and they pitch an idea for how to solve it, and the audience votes. And sometimes, I mean, they're outlandish. It's never going to happen. But some of the oh, ideas are actually okay. pretty good. Um, like, uh, but this is for Netflix. Yes, it's a Netflix. It's not a show. B- It's not something but that it, was on BBC. No, that, but it very much feels like something feels that like would that. be on like. But that's BBC. why they added like D.L. Hughley. Yes, and, okay. it has an American feel. I see. I feel like I saw a preview for it, mm-hmm. and it, it was a terribly marketed it's, show. It's not great because I, I really. I, I, if that would, if I know that's what it was about, that's actually appealing sounding. It was fun. It's fun to like have in the background, and yeah. sometimes there are zingers like. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but Catherine Ryan, when Whitney Cummings was, uh, she was a guest on it. She made. She looks like, very weird these days. You know, yeah. she she uh, she made Whitney Cummings like in shock 
like her reaction. I was like, how do you shock Whitney Cummings? She was right. like, I can't believe you said that. But anyway, could have been faked, but some of it's pretty good. Um, I think I'll stop there and then go your You want me to take over again? Yeah. Okay, and I'll wrap up my list. Yeah. Um, Vice. Yeah. Liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam McKay, he's got this storytelling style. If you think of the big short, kind of some of the stuff he did. Two camera. Um, like, yep. yep. Um, address the camera. Uh, Christian Bale, amazing. Um and the movie just does, a good, just does a very good job of being like, you know, everyone's very upset right now. Uh, everyone's very offended right now. Uh, people are being hurt. Um, well, guess what? Dick Cheney was truly evil because he killed a lot of people. A lot of people. You know, he started wars. And um, let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, uh, Lynn Cheney, uh, played by uh, Amy, Amy Adams, Adams. Uh, someone who really steered uh, Dick Cheney in the first part of his life. Um I heard, I heard an interview with half? Adam. What? Did she, like, lose the reins in the second half? A, a bit. I mean, he, he yeah. becomes legitimately powerful with Halliburton and then, um, you know, the various things. The movie just, it does a good job of showing in a very interesting way, not perfect, but a very interesting way, the rise of republicanism over the last 50 years and what that's meant and the, you know, stuff like that. And And it's not unfair and it's not too kind and it's certainly not um you know and and it, and it can be quite mean um but um it's it, it's really it's it's an artistic vision about something that is you know political and whatever and and of course christian bale as uh who also won by right. the golden globe oh believe uh, well me i deserved. know we're gonna talk about that with it because i have comments okay but um I cut you off. So you were saying you had an you heard an interview with Adam. McKay. Oh, with Adam McKay, where yeah. he um, he talked about Lynn Cheney and and actually that um, basically to change the guy it's really hard to find information about. He is the dark heart of you know of, of everything, like legitimately. Um, and um, but uh, it, it seems pretty clear that Lynn Cheney really was the person driving him uh, into his career and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, the way the movie makes it seem was like he basically, when he showed up in Washington, he didn't know if he was a Republican or a Democrat. Whoa. Yeah, that's not, that's not who he is. He's a power guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, who's the people that are going to get me power Where I go. the fastest? <clears throat> and, he's gonna, and, and that was Republicans. I mean, I mean there's a scene that kind of that makes that point. Um, uh, which is actually sometimes how I feel about, about these things. Mm-hmm. I, just, I sometimes feel like if... if um, if Fox News, um, if you could do outrageous news and get liberals to watch, yes, oh, they do. That's what Fox News. Because it's be. money. What? It's money. It's power. Right, right, right. Exactly. But yeah, you can, you attention. can't do you can't do outrageous news right. and get liberals to watch. You Correct. have to do funny news. If Correct. you do funny news, liberals will watch. And, and so and they, funny and so news is harder to do. And funny. Okay, I'm trying not to put Whatever, a value. Jonathan, I'm trying I'm not to put just for, just for this one conversation. <laughs> I'm trying not to put a value on it. But um, but let's just say mm-hmm. fake crazy news. Mm-hmm. You'll get uh, someone is dying out there. Going, um, <laughs> fake crazy news. Uh, Emily, I see Emily checking on it. Everything's fine. Yeah. Fake crazy news. Yes. Uh, right. You could get the right to watch. Funny news. You get the left to watch. And 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 it's just about sort of the money. I, I just have always felt that about yeah. it. Just that the the Fox News people people are much closer to actors than yeah. they are to. I mean, they've got to be I, I think a few of them are true believers. Yeah. But I think most of them are actors. Yeah. You know, um, the the that that's just always the way I felt. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a good theory. 
makes me feel more hopeful. Um, I'm not sure if that should make you feel more it hopeful. It just does. <laughs> Trust me, the true believers are out there. No, no, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Yeah. They're the ones who are actually in Congress. Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. Sadly, yeah. Um, and now I'm scared again. Okay, the only thing I have on my list is Golden Globes. Uh, yeah, left. actually, let's just do that because the rest of my stuff I don't really need to talk about. Golden Globes. Okay. One thing I want to talk about. Yeah, I about. feel like you have more to say, actually. I only I have do, one but, thing. Yeah. So I've heard Christian Bale talk several times. Oh, oh, okay. We're going down the accent road. In, yeah, yeah. in, Got it. in interviews, yeah. yelling at the lighting man, yeah. all that stuff. Yes. I know he's British. I know he's born in Wales. I know he has a British accent. He doesn't have a Welsh accent. He has never, in my memory, been Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. Like, I just don't understand where the Cockney accent suddenly came from. Right. Um, first of all, Mary Poppins, uh, the new one, was circulating in this Golden Globe. So maybe Influenced. he had recently watched the film just to, so that he could watch the next uh-huh. one. I think I think he is an actor and he absorbs oh, wow. what's around him. Yeah. Um, You've convinced fun, me. The funny part is, the funny part is, um, I think Christian Bale, look, there's no doubt his accent has changed. Yes. No doubt. Yes. I have no idea what his actual accent is. No. But there was a time where he almost... Didn't I, I remember? I remember he was like almost he, American. He sounded like he was from Brooklyn. I know. Yeah, I watched one from after this happened. I was uh, me and oh, my friend. I was like, we have to listen to all. The there was yeah. one from two thousand two where I was yeah. like, he's vaguely New Yorkish. Yeah. yeah. That said, I thought it was a pretty charming speech. It was actually a sane speech for Christian Bale. Yeah. With the craziness of a made-up accent. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's always got to be something. Yeah. No, the accent, it was, um, it, it was very Dickensian. Mm-hmm. It was, um, mm-hmm. it was Cockney through it through. It was weird. It was I very agreed. weird. Very pleasant, though, in a way. <laughs> um, uh, but I liked his speech, and I liked his performance. But it reminded me of, do you remember, have you ever watched any of Mark Rylance's speeches at the Tony Awards? Um, yes, I so have. Do you remember what he did every time he's won? He's won, like, Two or three times. Tell me. Remind me. Every single time he wins, he comes up on stage, and then in an American accent, he recites from a hunting guide to Wisconsin. Like, he literally gets up in front of, I don't remember what it was, but it was like a hunting guide for Wisconsin hunters. He doesn't tell anybody that. The first time he won, he got up on stage, and he's like, if you're hunting a boar... You have to go down this road. Make uh, sure your musket, and that is his acceptance speech. Did Mark Rylance, <laughs> call it. Game. That guy's on another level. Guy's He's on like, another I'm level. playing all of you. He, he is. Um, he is playing the role of actor genius, yes. like an actor genius would. Uh, and when I saw it, I was like, that's genius. I don't it's, know what know. he's now, doing, I, I, but I, I'm in it. For all the skepticism <laughs> I have of almost everything and everyone in this world, there are a few people who I just accept whatever they do. Mark Rylance is mm-hmm. on that list. You're like, you just yeah. give him the... So of, of the Golden Globes, that's all you have to say is Christian Bale's accent. Oh, no, I had other thoughts. Did you, what did you think of Jeff Bridges' speech? I tuned out. It's not. It was. It was total nonsense. It was, not, it was dude like nonsense. Somebody, somebody on yeah. Twitter said something. I wish I knew who oh, it was. Twitter. I love Twitter during award shows. It is the best thing to. Are go you to. actively following? Just constantly reading. I'm watching all the live. I'd tweets. like to watch an award show with you sometime. It's fun. I want to see what that's like. <laughs> it's slightly irritating because I'm googling a lot of stuff all yeah. the time. But um, uh, Jeff Bridges. Somebody tweeted. Um, w- Jeff Bridges is what your dad would be like if he found weed instead of Fox News. <laughs> It's like accurate. <laughs> All right, let's get into. Let, I think we have time. Yeah. To do, We're down. It's epically to do, long. I'm uh, good for it. To do the plays. Yeah. Um, uh, why don't you start? Okay. Um, By the way, I think a good way to do this is the way we did Westworld. 
Um, yeah, where you just ask questions? I just, I just ask okay. questions. Okay, I kind of like yeah, that. Yeah. This is good. Okay, it makes it easier. Yes. It makes it easier for the person talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Okay. All right, so I'm going to set up Usual Girls okay. for you. So Usual Girls, like I said, Roundabout Underground, which is their off-Broadway space, where they do kind of, it's like they're off, off-Broadway space, where yeah. they do a lot of experimental, some of their best work, I think, is done there. Um, it's sort of an incubator of sorts. And um, How many seats? I, it's got to be under 100. Okay. It's got to be. Um, it's written by Ming Pfeiffer, who's an Asian-American playwright. Um, and Related it, to Michelle Pfeiffer? Definitely. Okay. <laughs> so she, uh, it's about, in a nutshell, it's kind of about female sexuality and development. And you follow one girl from childhood to adulthood. And it's partly autobiographical. Um, and it follows, the character's name is Kiyong, I think you pronounce it that way. Um, and she sort of navigates female friendships, adolescence, mean girls, harassments, coercion. Um, and her older self throughout is kind of guiding her. There's one moment. There are like these really beautiful, it's sort of vignette throughout. Um, so it starts with her as a child on a playground with her girlfriends. And they're talking about um, their underpants and like their genitals and in the way that kids do. Mm-hmm. And a boy in the schoolyard comes over and says, he overhears them talking. And he's like, I'm going to tell on you to the teacher unless you kiss me, like one of the girls. And she says, I don't want to. And it's, so he's sort of blackmailing her as a little boy. Mm-hmm. And then Kiyoung, the Asian American girl, is like, I'll kiss you. Like, I won't make Mary or whoever it is kiss you. I'll kiss you. And he says, like, ew, no, you're Asian. And these oh, are the gee, stereotypes. Every line's being Everything. crossed. How old are these kids? They're really little, but they're all played by adults. Oh, they're played by adults. Played by adults. So kids are being played by adults. It works. Okay. It totally worked for me. Okay. And that, I feel like that happens in theater all the time. It happens in To Kill a Mockingbird, by the way. Um, so that's sort of the setup. And then you see her through different stages of, like, her dad is a drunk and how that's affecting her life. It's, at points, depressing, very funny, um, heartbreaking. Yeah, it was... Was very good. There, the scene that kind of surprised me, was slightly shocking, was when the older version of herself, uh, when she's a teenager, she decides that she's going to shave for the first time, like sort of like a bikini area, mm-hmm. and the older self shaves the actress on stage, and it is a small stage, and the girl is just up there and she's shaving her, and it was like an oddly intimate, weirdly beautiful moment, though uncomfortable. Why? What could be a comfortable? Like um, so questions. I'm kind of curious now. Okay, so I'm 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 picturing a tonality similar to plot points in our sexual development. No. What this? Because this was a play. This definitely felt like a play. It was not. Um, it's not what the Constitution means to me. It's not plot points. It's never anybody. The older self speaks to the audience, but only about halfway through. And it's sparingly. Um, And throughout, it's just seeing this girl interact with um, kids around. By the way, I do want to mention the costume designer. I don't know who she was. But having, it's clearly this playwright grew up in kind of the period that I did. So you see the fashion of the girls. There's a section where the girls are wearing Ugg boots, puffy vests, and Vera Bradley bags. Mm. And I was like, this takes me back to a fashion. really unfortunate time. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, that was a side note. But you okay. were asking tonality. Yeah, the, t- the tone. I mean, um, uh, if you were me, what do you think I would... I actually think you'd like this yeah. one. Yeah? Yeah. 
I think you would have liked this one. I think you would have been intrigued. I think you would have seen some flaws in it. Yeah. Um, But you, I think the subject matter, the dialogue was excellent. Yeah. The pacing, spot on. Um, It was tight, as I I like. It was like an hour and a half, I think. Um, Yeah. I think you would have liked it. Um, How was the audience? Very good. Well behaved. An insider audience. Insider audience. Yeah. Got it. How long was the show? I think it was about an hour and a half. Uh, no intermission? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but it, the audience did uh, take forever in the bathroom. That I will note. How do you know that? Because it was uh, it was after the show. They have two restrooms in that space, and they're both single occupancy. Yep. And I don't like single occupancy bathrooms. And it's unisex. Yeah, that I really don't like. <laughs> so yeah. both of them were unisex, and two audience members were in there. For 10 minutes. Right. It was off. <laughs> Ruined the whole experience yeah, yeah. I'm for sorry me. to hear that. Did you, did you have to go? No. Haverkate had to go. Oh. Oh, Haverkate was there? Yeah. What did she think of it? She loved it. Loved it? Yes, but she had, I think this was the one that she had read before and already loved it. So this so was it. not a new play? Oh, no, it is a new play. But again, if you're an insider, Jonathan, you have access to these scripts. Because they're not insiders, why are we doing this podcast? I, excellent question, Jonathan. Others are more qualified. Absolutely too. more others They could bring more, more nuance they and could. knowledge. Yeah, why are we doing this? We quit. <laughs> um, that shaving scene. Yes. It was, it was, um, uh, so it was graphic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't feel, yeah, it was, it was. Uh, Does this happen every night? Yeah. Is there something? I think it's fake. I think the razor has okay. no blade in it. Okay. I think it's already kind of shaved. And she's far enough back that, um. That it wouldn't really matter. Similar to, remember when we saw the ferryman? And I was like, do you think she shaves the grandfather every night? And you were like, no, Rachel. And I was like, but I swear I saw the stubble get less. But no, there's no okay. way. Okay, Similar I to see. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe you did see the stubble get maybe. less. Maybe. Yeah. Um, okay, what would you pay for a ticket? Uh, that one? 80 Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. 80 Rachels? Yeah, it was really good. How are Rachels looking, by the way, in 2019? They're looking a bit more optimistic. I oh, yeah? Like they're worth they're worth less than they were last year, I right. think, because they're, they're weighted less. I think, like... Inflation. Yeah, like, I think uh, I think an 80s Rachel now was probably more like... Wait, a, a what? An 80. $80. 80 Rachels. 80 Rachels. Now. I think you said an 80s Rachel. An 80s Rachel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is both Rachel. a time period yeah. and like an odd denomination yes. Yes. of dollars. Yes. 80 Rachels now. Yeah. Um, or pro- would probably be more like 60 in 20, 20, 2018. Just to be clear, inflation <laughs> inflation on the Rachels was 33%. Something like that, yeah. That's, that's, uh, you know what? Do you know what, typical, do you know what typical inflation is? It's about, two, it's about 2%. You know that it's going, to, it's going to change monthly. Yeah. It's going to, next month, I'm going to say, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Now, this play that I've just given $80 to. It's like Argentina. 20. <laughs> There's no stability. There's no stability. Oh, my God. But 80. Okay, so 80 Rachels. Yeah. Uh, which was 60 Rachels. Right, right. So it's, being, it's amazing. It's meaningless. So it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm trying, honestly, I'm trying to keep it in line just with, Past ratings slightly. No, I, I'm joking. I'm, we're, we're, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're joking. But I'm trying. But the, but the okay, 80, 80 is significant yeah. for, I think, an off-Broadway. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's closed now? Yeah. Well, 
Shame. But you wouldn't have been able Maybe to do it because I said it sold out immediately and it extended and sold out again immediately. One would almost say, why not keep going? Excellent question. I yeah. think it's because they already had another show lined up. That's typically what but can't, happens. But can't with they off go Broadway. to another theater? Um, you know that's a good question because Roundabout has bigger spaces. Yeah. But I think they need to know they need to know financially that they can support an audience interested in it. And that one does feel very off Broadway. Right. So to transfer it to Broadway, I think I don't know if that play would work in a bigger space. It's a very small play. Right. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Moving on to you. Okay. True West, um, True West by Sam Shepard, the, the late Sam Shepard. Um, can you remind me of the plot? I vaguely? can sort of remind you of the plot. Okay. Takes place out west. Yeah. Um, Palm Springs ish. Uh, two brothers, one an aspiring, fairly successful screenwriter, another ne'er do well uh, kind of brother. Uh, meet um, in their mother's house, which is in Palm Springs, or out west, roughly that area. I think it's Palm Springs. And um, basically, um, a producer shows up who hears the idea of the ne'er-do-well brother and likes his idea for a movie better than the professional writer's one. And the brothers, in some ways, get involved together in terms of how they're going to do it. And the ne'er-do-well is really like almost like a thief um, uh, kind of a just down and out kind of guy. Um, and then basically by the end of the play, it has devolved into sort of an all-out sibling war regarding um, everything they've ever felt about each other. Uh, they wrestle, wrestle on stage. Um, and, um, um, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's really it. Uh, I saw it a little while ago. It's a little bit vague in my mind. It's not a play where the nuances of the plot seem to matter. It's the, definitely the sort of play that I'd rather read about mm. than to actually see. When you when you say read about, like, people dissecting it. Yeah, people dissecting it. It's a very popular play. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it is about sort of the uh, American myth of the West, the American myth of the frontier, the fading of the frontier, and the sort of corporatization of everything that's ever, uh, uh, you know, kind of a natural good idea um and that the two brothers represent <clears throat> those different ideals uh, they're literally fighting it out it's humorous at times it drags for me um i didn't have a great time watching it that said i tried to read it about it quite a bit i'm also curious um had you read it before or seen it i i think it? i had read it actually i'd read it a long time ago um, after I saw it, I did allow myself to do something which I usually don't do before we talk, which is read the reviews. Mm -hmm. I read the Times review of a 2002 version. Who was in that one? John C. Riley hmm. and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh wow! And they would switch roles. I love when they do that. They I would switch have roles, to say. and the the ebullience of this review could not be overstated. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if I would have liked it more. I, I think I think this is really a play where. Who the actors are matters. It matters. And um, Johnny Flynn played Lee. So the two brothers are Austin and Lee. Uh, he was good. He was much better than Kit Harrington. Uh -huh. uh, he had more presence and more sort of, I remember him more. Kit Harrington kind of played a specifically non Jon Snow, khaki shorts, glasses. You know, I mean, he did everything he could to not look like Jon Snow. Was he, did you find his performance less nuanced? than Johnny yeah. Flynn's. Yeah. Because I feel like that's something that I notice with movie actors and TV actors when they come to the stage. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of one note. Right. 
Um, I, I think there is a, yeah, I think there is a, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking at very broad strokes here right. about something that I'm sure is talked about all the time, yeah. you know, with insiders. Um, right. I, I think that when you become a TV movie actor, primarily, you're, you're, you're doing very different things. Mm-hmm. And there is something about the body as it lives yes. on stage for that extended amount of time in front of people mm-hmm. where you learn to somehow convey the nuance of your yeah, body rather you, than your face. Exactly. You somehow contort yourself mm-hmm. so that you are doing what needs to be done on the stage at that moment. Sometimes that's as simple as blending into the background, but there's an, even an art to blending into the background when yeah. someone else is doing a monologue. How do you stand on stage and be present but not be subtracting from anything else that's going on. And I think I think the really good stage actors, you know it when you see it because they just possess that room. Then again, I think when you talk about actors like John C. Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman, you have the best of both yes. worlds where these guys are just so good at what they do. And so anyway, John Snow had none of that, and Lee, Johnny Flynn, did a mm-hmm. little bit. And... Um, um, the 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 strongest part of True West to me was the set. It was mm. a small stage, as I find sometimes. Is it British. like a kitchen? Right. It, it's a kitchen, but then um, at a certain point in this production, a whole wall opens up into like a grand vista of the West with the light and the billboards and the cacti and stuff like that. And it it was an overwhelming moment. It was a very good kind of kind of thing. But but even the kitchen itself was. Very good. It was mm-hmm. just a detail. It was detail. Yeah. It was just. It was good. Yeah. Um, just uh, you know, it was a character. Uh huh. Um, and um, yeah. So you know, it was. I, you know, it makes me. It makes me want to see it again. And I, I'm almost thinking, should I, I go see? I think you should because I mean, I'm not. I don't want to go see it. Great. I saw it's a really attitude. bad production off off Broadway. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe you should. Like maybe you should maybe see it. Should. Maybe you should challenge. Yourself. If I can get a cheap ticket, I'll go. Um, audience, I don't really. I remember being a very stylish audience. Mm. And in general, the English are very well-behaved audiences yes. anyway. They were sort of generous to it. No standing ovation. Excellent. Yeah, I know that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, how much would I pay for it? Yeah, how much would you pay? Um, I didn't pay much more than this. So uh, I think I'd pay what I paid, which felt like about 45 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like 60 bucks? Maybe? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I kind of want to transfer it to like if somehow I could have Go go take a time machine to see Philip Seymour Hoffman and John C. Riley. Knowing like the material $10. I've seen, I would pay like like eighty ninety bucks to see that. Like yeah. that that to me would be. I'd love to see those two doing what these two brothers were doing. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah, I think that would probably be quality. Yeah. All right, I will see the Ethan Hawke. Okay, that. let's look into it. Okay, great. Um, all right, my next one. Slave Play, which was on my best of 2018 yep. list. You, you gave us uh, a rundown. It was my play, my yeah. favorite play. Your for favorite play of 2018. Yeah. What, if you could sum up what you liked so much about it, what would that be? You uh, want to do a, sorry, do you want to do a quick rundown of the plot? Yeah, yeah. The very quick rundown, which I, I did in that up last episode, but it's basically um, it's three acts. The first act is you think you are on a plantation. Mm-hmm. in antebellum south okay and um you are watching a female slave and her sort of master not master but like manager on the plantation um they kind of flirt and then they have sex mm-hmm. and then the next scene is um 
a black man, a slave, and the mistress of the house, and they have an affair. And then the last, the next scene is a a, a slave and a, another master, and they it's man and man, and they have a relationship. That's Act One. That's Act One, and then during the sex scene between the two men, which is like toward really the end of Act One. Act One. Um, one of the 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 black man in the scenario yells a word. I can't remember what the word is. It's something like let's say it's banana, and suddenly you have, um, like stage managers come on stage and they they're like stop stop everything like tear it down and they're like what happened are you okay you said the safe word is everything okay and it turns out then Act Two starts and it is you are actually witnessing a therapy session called slave play which is meant to I actually wrote down some thoughts about this but it's it's therapy specifically for the black person in an interracial couple to process their relationship to whiteness and how it is reflected on them and by relation their identity as a black person and why it leaves them with a lower sex drive being in this interracial relationship so all of these couples have come here because the black counterpoint can no longer either A, achieve orgasm, or even get into the mood. And so they're trying to harness, figure out why that's happening. Okay. Um, so that the second act is the group therapy. And then the third act, so the everybody kind of has realizations in act are the, two. In act two, are the white partners there? Yes. Okay. So everybody's there, and um, you get these little things with like, so the, the first couple you saw, it's a British white guy, black woman, and he is, he's like very progressive and he really does not want to do this antebellum slave play that they're doing. He finds it very offensive. He's like, I don't want to call her, you know, a bad slave. I don't want to call her a, pl- a slave. I don't want to call her the N-word. I don't want to like fake whip her. And she's like, but that's the point of this is that I'm telling you it's okay. Do it in this. And he just refuses. So it's causing a rift that he's just not listening to her and he's not doing what she's telling him to say. Then the couple, uh, the black man and the white woman, they're a married couple. And that guy, he comes off kind of stupid that he's just like, whatever. Like, I normally like to have sex. I don't know why I don't like to now. He doesn't take life too seriously. And by the end of that session, he realizes that um, he his, his blackness is a turn on for him. And the fact that she sort of denies his blackness is what's turning him off. They met because she was dating a white guy, and they introduced him into their sex life for him to have sex with the woman while her husband watched. And it was the fact that he was a black man that was a turn-on for her and for him. Anyway, so there's that. And then the third couple, the gay couple, the white guy in the couple refuses to accept that he himself is white. Like, he keeps saying, I'm, you know, I don't want to live in a gentrified neighborhood, and I want to, um, uh, he's like, I don't understand why when we walk down the street, people think that I'm like the bad guy because I'm white, but I just present as white. I'm not. And the black counterpoint, his boyfriend, is upset because he's like, you keep saying that, but what are you if you're not white? And the white guy never answers. Like he never provides what his other race could potentially be that would make him more diverse. Um, And then the third act is the first couple, the British couple. He, they, she has a breakdown and he's, she says, I just want, I want, he was like, why? You have to explain to me, like, why you want me to do these terrible things to you. And she said, I need, um, 
she was like, I remember being a girl in a plantation, like going to these tours on plantations when she lived in the South. And she said, when I would go, my mom would be like, your ancestors are like watching you in that house and like, just be aware that you have to dress nicely and all this stuff. And she said, when I have sex with a white man, I think on some level, I need you to be a stereotypical bad white man so that if my ancestors are watching, I'm aware that like, it was a very complicated moment that I'm still grappling with where she was like, I need to know that you're the devil they think you are. Like that was essentially it. And so he ends up, he's like, fine, without telling her, he plays into the master role. It's a relatively violent sex scene. And she starts crying. And she's like, no, she says the safe word, like, stop it. And it's this weird moment where you're like, okay, but she said yes, this is a whole dialogue of consent. And she suddenly pulled it away. And he apologizes. And then he starts crying. And she, um, it ends with her saying, thank you for listening. So like, that's the end of the play that she's like, this all happened. I did consent. It's fine. You did what I wanted. And we may move on from this because you took the time to listen to me. It was like a totally surprising, bizarro play that on many levels I was confused at times and I wasn't expecting it at all. And like the sex scenes were very graphic um, and surprising to see on stage. They even had an intimacy director for it who did a talk back afterwards. But that's becoming more common to make sure like the actors feel safe because they're so involved. Um, yeah, it was nuts though. Totally nuts. Wow. Yeah. So... All right, I feel like I've seen it. I know it was very yeah. detailed. No, I, I mean, I mean, it, it, in in hearing it, it doesn't. If it were on again, I would try. I would want to see. Yeah, it. I mean, I mean, you're. I feel like something will be done with it. Like there's right, a, I think. Well, I mean, it, it sounds like I mean you per, you perceived it obviously as something of very high quality. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, is it, it beyond the shock value? You felt there was sort of depth. There's and there there. It earned. Yeah. It earned sort of the right to take on this this large topic. I mean, it sounds like it almost did it in a at times a humorous way. Yeah, that, definitely. That despite the the gravity of the scenes, the whole point was the scenes are sort of grave, but but the but the the delivery mechanism. Yeah, the yeah. the reason for it is quite uh, it's contemporary and, it's and humorous. Set up. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. in the first act, through there's this weird recurring theme that happens that all the black characters at some point hear music like there's some bit of music that they hear and they'll dance to it like the the opening scene is the girl in a slave outfit and she starts twerking to like i don't remember the song but it it was some sort of hip-hop song and then so there's there's this weird um anachronistic moment between the animal himself and like hip-hop and by the therapy scene she's like why did you guys play that music and no one else heard the music and that happens to every black character throughout so it's this idea that there's like a trigger. I, I don't know how to describe it. It was he has some interesting themes throughout that I don't fully understand, but that I like that he's trying to. Well, you don't need to understand it, but you felt it yeah. at the moment. It yeah. felt in the sort of flow and the rhythm of. Yeah. Wow. This is very good. Hundred bucks. That's what I would pay. A hundred. If I had to go back. Yeah. Do it over again. Yeah. I think it was worth a hundred. That's a hundred Rachel. Hundred Rachels. Wow. And where was this? This was at New York Theater Workshop. New York Theater Who Workshop. did what the Constitution Yes, I remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring it up every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, good. I mean, I'm not left with many questions. Questions. Yeah. Um, but, but for sort of your 
perceptual elements of it, which, mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, makes me want to see it. Yeah. Jeremy O'Hara is the writer, and uh, uh, Robert O'Hara directed it, who is another, I think, very good playwright in his own right. Um, he did um, uh, Mankind. Did you see Mankind a couple years ago? No. Is that Playwrights Horizons? That one was weird. It was about um, procreation and what if, what if women were extinct? Mm-hmm. It was like a weirdly feminist play, but there were no women in it. Mm-hmm. it good. Interesting. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Inheritance. The Inheritance. Jesus, I've never spent so long with a play. It's the longest thing I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Is it? That's true. That's I think that's true. Thing? I think it's true. In um, one. Look, yeah. look. It's there's. As we identified, 2018 was the year of gay plays. Um, this this play um, added to that. And the most amazing part about it was that it seemed to borrow from every single other gay play. It's like play. a greatest hit. It's like a greatest hit. So in a total, it was six acts, mm-hmm. right? Because it was two par plays. I saw them, by the way, five days apart. Oh, wow. I highly recommend that's what people do. Okay, you to, need, to do them, like, you back need back that amount of time. There were people in that audience who saw the first part in the afternoon oh. and were there for the evening. By the end of the night, they looked... Haggard. Haggard, defeated, whatever. Uh, I, I could not you, believe like, it. You knew. You, like, did you talk to them or you yeah, just no, I overheard. I overheard okay. and you could see it and mm-hmm. whatever. But the, it seemed to me the majority of the people were doing it that way, uh, either the night before or that afternoon yeah. and then the That's break. That's how I would Which is kind of how Angels in America yeah. works as well. Again, they sort of stole that part. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of the cast plays multiple roles too, by the way. Stolen also from Angels, Angels in America. America. It's multi-generational, mm-hmm. Angels in America. Uh, so I'll try and reference all the, all the things they stole. Oh, yes. There are ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I want to go through all the... There are all ghosts. The, like, I you have to keep asking questions okay, because, okay. Rachel, okay. It, it is it is mind-boggling. But let me, let me just try okay. and say what it's about, okay? okay. Uh, it's uh, completely about um, uh, a group of gay men. Basically, it is a play about what happened to the generation that was ravaged by AIDS mm-hmm. and... What is the generation that came after them? What is their responsibility and their relationship to sort of the history of the gay world? So is, uh, okay. How are they supposed to live as good gay men today? That's an interesting question that I actually, I think is worth asking. Okay. Um, Don't ask it of me. No, 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 no. Ask it of the play. Because I, I could totally see where being gay in that time felt... From a history perspective, felt vital and like active and like terrifying, also and important. And now it feels it's still, you know, I'm trying to think of like, everything you're struggling to say yes. is exactly the dialogue <laughs> of what this play is. Yeah. Okay. And it makes, uh, and in that way, it is uh, uh, agitprop and propaganda. And in that way, it's stolen from the normal heart. It goes out of its way it. to give speeches mm-hmm. and lectures, and this is the state of things, and we must do this, and we, we have must to clarify not do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So my question to you yes. about the generational thing. Yeah. Are you watching? Is it? Are you watching stuff that's set? in the 80s as well as now? Let or me, is it... Let me, let me, let me, okay. let me go on. Let me go okay. on. Um, so, uh, to be clear, um, the, uh, the main character and narrator who introduces us to this notion is um, E.M. Forrester. Okay. And some of the plot is based on is Howard's it... End. Some what? of it. Some of it. I knew this was based on a novel, <laughs> but yeah. it's not... No, it's, it's not... Howard's End. 
No, like... I thought, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But no. isn't The Inheritance itself a novel? I don't believe but so. But maybe... Oh, my God. Okay, all right. Okay. Why Howard's End? Because E.M. Forster was a gay man who, in that generation, um, had to live closeted, but um, many people feel did not do enough, given his prominence, to push some gay rights forward. Got it. So we're looking at, if you take that into account, three generations. Um, the main story happens in the present. When I say the present, I mean, like we see there is a scene where they're watching Trump getting elected. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, to be clear also, this is in, I'm seeing this in, in England. England, but this is about New York City. Right. This is about New Yorkers. Uh, the main character, care to, cl- care to qu- uh, take a guess at his classification? The, the main character? The main character, yeah. He's just gay. Uh, Yeah, and what else, given all the uh, other pre- Jewish. Yes, he's a neurotic Asian. <laughs> yes, uh, of course. Um... Uh, his name is Eric Glass. That's She's the great. main. That's the main character. Uh-huh. If there is a main character, that's the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the multiple roles. Um, okay, so you have Ian e. Forrester. Uh, we don't really exist ever, though, in his time period. He is um, sort of in a in a uh, apparition like way, um, both narrating, sometimes interacting with characters. Um, they're all trying to build a story as if they're writing this. A conceit that's sort of given up halfway through, and I think one of the weakest parts because they the the the, the first act, maybe the second act, maybe the whole first half is kind of people composing their own stories and sometimes they'll make up characters, they'll make up their own profession and then they'll turn and look at Ian Forrester and be like, can I do that? And he'll be like, well, if you do do that, you won't be able to do this in the future. So, but, you know, so it's, so it's, 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 both this amazing kind of um, uh, rattling off of lines and humor and things being thrown around and time things being interrupted, um, while at the same time, um, sometimes that completely falls apart on you and it's completely <laughs> It sounds like, like a so mishmash of It is such a mishmash. You can, I mean, okay, so Ian Forrester. Then there are two characters, one of whose name is Henry Wilcox, mm-hmm. uh, which is the name of the main character in uh, Howard's End. I think uh, that's if you know the movie. By the way, I know even, the movie. The they even movie. reference so so it's so self-referential. They even like, reference the Merchant Ivory <laughs> element of Howard. They're like End. Emma Thompson's gray. Right. Um, okay. Basically, what it's about. Um, it is about. Wait, uh, you haven't answered my question. Yes, in terms of I like don't know how the to. Eighties yeah. and now. Yeah. Is it does any of this play take place in the eighties, or is it just referencing what happened? It's in the mostly 80s? it. it, it some of the flashbacks are in the 80s. Just oh, to so give you a flashbacks. sense. <laughs> there are a few flashbacks, okay. yes. Uh, we, see the, um, we see the first relationship. We see some of the time where AIDS was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see a man um, whose uh, lover dies. Um, and um, that man, the man who dies... Um, in his uh, old age, he doesn't die of, of AIDS at the time, mm-hmm. but in his old age, he dies, and he befriends someone of this generation, and that's and the connecting And then you follow point. that person. You follow that person who then has an affair with the man, who gets married, actually, to the man, too, Henry Wilcox, who's a billionaire. He's a billionaire gay Republican who survived AIDS. Roy Cohn, perhaps? Okay. Wait, but wait, wait. Yeah. Yes. So this is just making me realize the way yeah. you're describing this. Yeah, I can you imagine? I haven't even gotten. I haven't no, no, even no. gotten no, to. No, Jonathan. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. If you were one of the first people to see angels in America and you tried to describe it to somebody, do you think you'd have a similar like? There's a there's 
there's angels and uh, uh, Roy and Ethel Rosenberg. And Ethel <laughs> I agree. I I think um, I think. Um, I mean, look, the, the comparison to Angels in America is, I heard it even in the intermissions, you heard people talking about it in the audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's out there. It is there. It needs to be compared to that. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the, the only thing I'll say was it, was, it was almost as difficult the day after I saw Hamilton. That's an experience I genuinely had, mm. where no one had seen Hamilton, yeah. and I walked into the office and was like, I don't, I don't know quite know how to describe to what I saw, but it was this, and it was they were rapping, but it, it was a musical too. Everyone was of color, but I, but it's amazing. I don't like 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 that. I mean, yeah, I suppose that's this. The thing is, is that both Hamilton and I think Angels in America um, uh, rise to a level of professionalism and quality that I think the inheritance just falls short of. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want to say about it. Um, it fluctuated between, you know, the act one of of the second part. I was like, there were some monologues. There were some uh, character development pieces. There was some humor where it was it was that moment in theater where you're just like, this, this is, is incredible. Why. This is why. Yeah. It this show reached that level. Yeah. And then there were, and especially the endings of both halves, I wanted to vomit. Why? At the sanctimoniousness mm. of it. Uh, first of all, okay, uh, let me describe the stage. Um, in, in the whole first half, the stage, did you ever see the movie Bloodsport? No. Jean-Claude Van Damme? No. Okay, I don't know. So in Bloodsport, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme takes place in a, I mean, he participates in a underground martial arts contest sure. uh, called the Kumite. Um, and uh, in the Kumite, his main rival is Chong Li. Uh, his name is Frank Dukes, uh, D-U-X. And um, the, the, the platform they fight on is just a bare, uh, almost like a, like, like, you know how sumo wrestler, but it is yeah. round? Picture that as a rectangle. Got it. It's not sand or anything, no. it's, but it's just kind of a flat it's, gray but surface. But it's elevated? But it's elevated. Yeah. It's elevated. Uh, of course, at the end of Bloodsport, for the final fight, they also elevate the two sides to oh. make it a little bit harder for the championship. So it's kind of like a half yeah, pipe. Yeah, but, but they didn't do that in the play. Okay. That's just Bloodsport. But it's just, it's just a platform. It's just a platform. Um... In the second part of it, they use that platform to more effect. They move it up, they move it down. You're talking about the play, not the Kumite. The play, no, not the Kumite. Um, um, They move it up, they move it down. One creates a swimming pool in the Hamptons. It's a great moment. Uh, Another creates a ceiling. I mean, it's it's used very well. um, And this was uh, on the West End, This was the West End, So you weren't, and it was... Uh, It was literally across the street from my hotel. It was on St. Martin's Lane. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Literally, literally I know the theater. There are two theaters. There are two theaters. I think I know which one. So the... Right. So it's someone it just, closer to Seven Dials, if, if that yeah, makes yeah. any sense to you. So yeah. you were, and it's, it's, it's a theater that doesn't allow for an audience to be on the other side of the stage, right? You just, no. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. I mean, maybe it could, but okay. no. Yeah. Um, so, um, okay, so that it's, was the stage. So, um, I swear to you, there was, there was a moment where, so it, part of the plot hinges on, and I know I've done a horrible job describing <laughs> the plot, but part of the plot hinges on that there is a house. This house was used during the AIDS epidemic as um, because this man had all this money, his lover, his partner, um, uh, basically um, bought this house to escape New York where everyone was dying. But um, the, the, the sort of not particularly selfish one of the two um, found these people who were abandoned by their families and he basically brought these patients up mm. to the house to die 
in the house, and the house became this refuge. And now it's many years later, and no one's using the house for any reason because Henry Wilcox associates this house with death, death. with uh, his former lover who is now dead. Um, but um, Eric, his new love interest and the friend of his former partner, um, is fascinated by this story in this house and, and wants to see it. And he finally goes up there, and I swear to you, that there, there's a part where finally the background of the set moves, slides out, and the house is there. And it's just a tiny little house, oh, no. and it's it's to me it was it was it was not a great moment. It to me it was a very spinal tap a moment. Of, it was it was like the Stonehenge yes. coming down, and it's thirty six inches yes. or it's eighteen inches instead of eighteen feet. Um, it was that kind of moment, and it like there was a little chuckle from the audience. Oh, there even. was, and so then they like even the opened the house like a dollhouse. Like they're not hiding that it's a dollhouse, but instead you th- when you first see it you think oh they're trying to use perspective like right. it's in the it's distance, but then, but then they go up oh, to no, it, no, and, no, no, no. it. And I'm just saying to myself, why not just instead of doing that have a momentous moment where it's just part of the house but it's full size but do you think <laughs> going to argue sure. do you think it's something that like this historical piece that they're looking at it and no. there's okay no okay i don't okay i don't <laughs> you can't sure. argue for the the set designer's choice to do look this. i um i'm i'm i was an audience member looking to say to myself I want to laugh at something right. at this very serious moment. Right, fair enough. The whole audience You're looked like, at even it. Even if there was a moment, if there, even if there was a reason for doing it, it doesn't matter. It didn't the work. effect yeah. wasn't what, the, what it. it was. Okay, and then <laughs> this 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 was problematic to me. Um, the very last part of the of the first part, uh, the end of the play, part one. Um, all these men start coming out from the door from the side of the stage from the audience from all these doors and these are all the men who died at the house and it's all these young men and they just walk up to the the main character and they say hi I'm Bradley hi I'm Jeff hi I'm Steve and and this poor actor on stage has to has to just act with this sanctimonious shock and oh oh my god Wow! Oh, so nice to meet you. Like, and it, it, it was go on so. Forever? It, it went on forever. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it almost in it like it was supposed to be like, look how many men died. Yes, well, right. it's, it's, like it was supposed it's to do that. It's a normal thing of like where you see a screen that has all the names. That's right. That's this right. Was an embodiment this was an embodiment of all the names. <laughs> Very well said, Ray. Ray. Um, it was. I did not. I did not. It did not move me mm-hmm. in that way. Um, some of the acting, and I'm going to look up some of the names of the people. Um, I feel like I, so, I oh, by the, the way, actress, by the way, in Act Vanessa Two, Redgrave. In Act Two, Vanessa Redgrave shows that up. Was the, one of the main reasons where I, when I was at the Young Vic, I was like, should I go see Vanessa? And I was like, but she's not in both parts. So no, she's in one part. She's completely um, what, not who does she necessary. Play? She plays the caretaker of the house. Since it's abandonment, okay, um, and she's uh, you know she's a wise. Did she keep, take care of the men while during she, that time? She or was just after she it? was the mother of one of the men mm. at first, very prejudiced, but, but came then she to, came around. I get it. And my lack of needing to explain it <laughs> shows a little bit of what the play may have suffered from. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so one the most argue, Jonathan, yeah. that much like the characters in this play inheriting the history of gay rights and and death that this play has in and living with that burden that this play lives with the burden of history of gay plays uh, I, and the activism <laughs> that comes with it i i 
I um, that's an amazing statement. Uh, yeah. So um, well done. Uh, there was great acting. This guy, this young guy named Samuel H. Levine, he played two roles: Adam and Leo. Um, Adam is sort of a spoiled gay kid who. I, I mean, I haven't even gotten into sort of the main actors. There's a there's a, a a writer. There's someone who who uh, of course kills himself because of over the overblown element of his life and he can't get things straight. I mean, and with seven hours of length, you know so much about each person. Like these characters are enormously like fleshed out yeah. and not to an unconvincing degree but sometimes it all plays out to a predictable degree to like they are they are to like like the one who lives lives wild lives large big success but at, at the end of the day no human connection so he dies you know yeah. um and it, mm-hmm. and the other one who starts out as obnoxious turns out to be a better person but then he has a doppelganger played by the same actor sometimes he does a switch just with his hair whatever on stage and he comes around out of the light and then back into the light why and he's he, the other character and and the other character is a is a is someone who um is a gay hustler who uh wants to be part of this world 6 degrees of separation <laughs> And and he then uh, starts a relationship and becomes one of these guys. And guess what? He gets AIDS. And guess where he goes to recover? He goes the to the house. Mm-hmm. And like it's it Wait, goes on. I, I want to go back. On. I want to go back to the doppelganger. <laughs> yeah, the do- Why okay, is there so, a doppelganger? So Adam and Leo. So Adam. Uh, so Adam is um, an actor in the play. Written by the guy who has the early success and lives large, and um, at first oh, so Adam. He, so he's a character. He's a character. He's not a okay. Yeah, and Adam. Uh, oh well, well the uh, fuck it's a play within a, that part's a play. Oh, sort of within okay, a play. you neglected to mention that. <laughs> well, they it's don't. It's multi generational, yeah. and it's a play within a. Well, play. it's not really a play within a play, but there is a play going on. Okay. There's a there's a play being made out of a book written by. Ian <laughs> Not Ian Forrester. God, I can't. They introduce people by order of appearance. I can't even. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, T- Toby. Toby Darling. So Toby Darling is the guy who he's lives wild. He's a made-up writer. Okay, yeah. He's a made-up writer. He's the and they're turning him into a Broadway play. And so he, he casts. he wrote a book. He, he wrote a book. He wrote the play that you're. Okay. And he wrote the play. Oh, all in did. the All within the play. In Broadway. Yeah. Um, and then. Oh, my God. And then Adam is cast. Uh-huh. Um, Adam falls in love with No, Tim. stop. Hold on. Yep. I thought Adam was a character, but now you're saying that Adam, Adam is, is an a actor character. playing a character? No, Adam's a character. The the, uh, the actor's what? name is Samuel H. Levine, and he plays Adam in the but first you, part. But you said Adam is cast. Adam is cast in the play. The play. <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> Wait, I don't Adam... remember the name. If I knew the name of the play within the play, okay, it would be better. Let's call it like Cat. The name of the play is Cat. Okay, Cat. Okay. Yes. So Toby wrote the book Cat, Cat. and he has adapted everyone loved it. it. So he's adapted it into now the Broadway hit play Cat. Yes. Toby <laughs> to confused with Cat. I don't know. What it just <laughs> yeah, Cat. Terrible, <laughs> terrible name for a. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How about we just call it Jesus Christ? Yeah, perfect. Not Jesus Christ <laughs> just Superstar, be, yeah, just, just Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Okay. Um, so he wrote. So he wrote Jesus Christ. Right. Okay. Um, Toby is friends with Eric. Uh huh. Okay. Eric's the, the main character, neurotic Jewish, Jewish guy. Yeah. Okay. Toby's friends with Eric. 
Toby um, uh, and Eric are in a relationship. Sorry, they're not friends. They're in a long-distance oh, okay. relationship. But one of the working... Oh, not long-distance. I didn't <laughs> mean that. No, no, no. Long term. Long term. No, 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 wait. Yeah. But wasn't Eric dating Henry Winkler, whatever the character's <laughs> name Henry Wilcox. Henry Wilcox. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that happens later. You have to understand, okay. this is the length so of this no, play okay. is like the length of a real life. Got it, got it, Okay? Got it, okay. Um, so this is all in the first part. Oh, okay, so Eric and Toby are together. I don't even know what I'm trying to get to. No, here. no, I'm trying to, so my question yeah. that is very confusing, it started with my question of why is there a doppelganger? I thought I was talking about the acting. Yet, but I'm not, it led to this, oh, so my sorry. original question yeah. was what, why doppelganger? Secondly, you said Adam is a character in Toby's play. Uh, or no, Adam is an actor cast play. in Toby's play. Great. Okay. 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 We got that. Okay. And his character's okay. name is like Scott. Don't worry about Scott. Okay. okay. <laughs> you never have to worry about the character when the play so in the play. Adam is an actor. Okay. So wait, but oh, Jesus. I was so I'm, <laughs> You're my so God. This is the worst conversation I've ever had. But also, this is pretty good. Go on. I want to know. Yeah. So, so Adam is the actor. Yeah. You said it's a play within a play. Are we ever seeing the play that no. Toby wrote? It's just the rehearsal and the casting of the play. We don't even see really the re- We see a little we bit of the rehearsal. The okay. Okay. We're done. I got it. Okay. Okay. Adam. All right. Explain the topic. Okay. Toby and Eric in a relationship. Okay. Um, there's always been a notion that Toby used Eric because Eric had this amazing apartment in New York City. Mm. And Toby is a user. I get he's it. talented, but he's a user. Mm-hmm. Um Adam, it comes from like a wealthy family, and now he's a hit actor, star on Broadway. Prior to that, when he was just kind of a shy actor, he falls in love with Toby. Toby ah. rejects him. And this is while they're working on the play together. This is while they're working on the play okay. together. But then Adam becomes successful. Toby expresses his love for Adam. For Adam, mm-hmm. Adam rejects him. Got it. Later in the play, Toby, same act, uh, excuse me. Adam, same actor, mm-hmm. uh, becomes a hustler, a male prostitute, who Toby hires, specifically because he looks like Adam. Uh, and that character's name Leo. is Leo. Okay. I'm impressed you got Leo I, out of that. Yeah. I got it. So, because I was confused. I thought when you said doppelganger, I didn't think it was double casting. Right. I thought literally, like, right. Adam is like, Now, oh, do you care to guess who else uses Leo as a prostitute? Uh, Eric. No, Henry Wilcox. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Eric. Who has a pretty much uh, non-sexual relationship with Eric. Eric is someone he almost buys. Well, that's the other question I yeah. have. So the, the generational, like the age huge difference. Huge, there's oh, okay. big generational one there. Got yeah. It. So um, uh, the actor who I wanted to point out, the, the one who I most recognize, John Benjamin Hickey. Do you know oh, who that is? Oh, I love him. Okay, so he played Henry Wilcox. He was in Normal Heart when they did yeah. it on Was Broadway. he? I'm almost really? positive. I think some other... Uh, he played the boyfriend. Okay. Um, so he played it. So they give... Um, uh, they give Henry Wilcox, they give him an amazing monologue where he is sitting, it's the first time he, met, he meets Eric's group of gay friends who are all very politically active and whatever. Again, this is in current day. Yes. And they give Henry Wilcox, they, the, 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 the author, the right. writer, uh, by the way, I should point out, this yeah, is written who by, um, um, I think his name is Matthew Lopez. Oh, okay. Yeah. In fact, his name is Matthew, Matthew Lopez. Lopez. Um, they give him an amazing pro-Republican, pro-capitalism like speech, and it's so good. Like it, like it, it just. I mean, it pisses everyone else off in this in the play and all that. But he, 
you know, he does it. And, and this is what happened in the first act of, of part two mm-hmm. uh, when I was loving it. So so that part happens. And it's just great because because there's this amazing contrarian moment. But they give him these good arguments. These yeah. arguments that you yeah, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're without like, oh, without it. looking too deep, you're like, yeah, okay, fine. So that's the smart argument right. of all this bullshit. Right, stuff. right, right. But then they give another guy, one of his friends, a monologue. He's a doctor. And he's, his diagnosis is America has AIDS. And this is why. And he explains what happens to the immune system in AIDS and then ties that to the American political system. And it goes on, Rachel, for eight minutes. No, 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 no. It's amazing. Oh, wow. It is so humorous and so accurate. It's genius. It's absolute. I'm not saying I would read that. I'm not saying it's. You totally would read that. I'm not saying it's genius in its concept, right? It's, It's. it has to do what it has to do. But in that moment, in the play, on the stage, it is genius. And when it's finally over, the theater erupted just, yeah. with applause. And it was the most satisfying. You know, I did it too. It's just you have to. Yeah. You have to because the guy's delivery of it, just to keep all those words straight for that amount of time and the notion of what he was saying and all that, it was just, it was amazing. So, you know, that the, the play did that too. Yeah. And then... It completely undercut itself, too, because in the final act of the final part, you have, I mean, literally, Toby dies because he drives drunk into a tree because of a night he can't stand. Well, he's an and is it suicide anyway, so. or is it, or is it, uh, is it a drunk driving accident? Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's unclear. Um, um, you know, uh, Leo, uh, the, 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 the hustler. hustler, he's the one, you know, he is a sort of adopted by uh, Eric and stuff like that. You know, I mean, and this happens, and I swear to you, the very last scene, again, the theater, well, by the way, the, the house does make a reappearance, the dollhouse, <laughs> but that's not the problem. Uh, in the very last scene, uh, and it's sort of the cover. I was say, it's it, the, it it's the like cover the of everything. Oh, by the way, here on the cover, there's the Kumite mat. Oh, right, yeah. it's a book. What? And on the on the oh is that a book oh I didn't even say oh it's a book oh it's not a book book. on the stage Um, but this tree that you're looking at Mm -hmm. literally the last scene is like all the men sitting facing away from the audience toward the tree with the sunset and like like everyone perfectly silhouetted with just the right arm around it and someone leaning with their arms crossed it's a tableau and like there's like a light music playing and that's how it comes down you're just it's so nauseatingly consistent of in that way and so this play like like my final review is like it's great it's worth it uh, I think the, I gave a price I'd pay for seeing the whole thing I'd pay like 175 150 oh, wow. 175 wow. it's totally it, 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 it is it is worth it it I'm is surprised. it has some brilliant moments it, it is just flabby Mm-hmm. Uh, d- though there's not one out- the ironic part being there's not one ounce of fat on anybody in the entire production right, sure, sure, sure. yet it is flabby yes. um, you know I hate flabby oh yeah shows. and by the way there's lots of like moments of like shirts off pants off Perfect. oh there's simulated there's a whole scene of like the simulated <laughs> like, sex thing like torch song yeah yeah like yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. a whole thing like that where it's like like they're doing sort of the pants they're doing the mimed but like humorous dialogue yeah. I, I, it literally stole from every <laughs> from every and actually the ending there, I yeah. seem to recall. Did you ever see that play Next Fall? No. It was a, I seem to recall it ending very similar to that with like a tree and a silhouette and something like that. It, it borrows from everything you can name on, on that front. Also, with that ending, yeah. how, okay, how tropey is that? Like, that's it's not even tropey, it's just theater. Like, theater ends, it always ends. I've now seen two plays there's Blue Ridge and Choir Boy. 
that both end, this is a very stereotypical theater ending, with the main character inhaling breath with purpose. Oh. And then a blackout. That's becoming tropey, yeah. Very tropey. And so I feel like this also, with... Um, uh, with just like looking out into the distance, looking towards the future, yeah. and also looking towards the it, past. It, it goes beyond tropey. It's just cheesy. Yeah, it yeah, cheesy. cheesy. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. cheesy. By the way, in both True West and this, both of them had actors on stage before the show started. Oh, Jesus so Christ! So it's that's happen. done. That's done. It's happened. It's, it's done. It it's, doesn't happen in Blue Ridge. Oh, stuff, good. Right? Okay, mm-hmm. good to know. Um, um, so anyway, I um, it's 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 a it's just a show that it needs cleaning up. It just needs. It needs to be tightened. It needs to. I don't know. It just yeah. it, that's that's what's there. But um, it is like I, again, you know, you get to the end of it, and um, I just remember. So there was sitting next to me was like this Italian guy who was with like uh, an English woman, but he he was gay. Uh, they were friends, um, and um, you know, he had seen the first part uh, earlier in the day, and he really liked it, and he was just like, oh, you know, I really. Uh, I wish uh, I, I could see this with uh, with my boyfriend. It was, you know, which is pre- I like it when people say very basic things. Sometimes yes, yes. I I enjoy those statements. Yeah, That's too. pretty much the most basic things. Yeah. Like I think I this would be great to see uh, with, with my boyfriend. Uh, yes, it'd be perfect. Though um, <laughs> that's kind of what it is. By the end, when the lights came back on uh-huh. after the final thing, after like like five intermissions and all, that, he he was just a shell of the time. <laughs> he was just he was just. Uh, see, like, see, bravo, 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 bravo. My boyfriend, I will not see this with him. <laughs> it's too I, long. I don't know if this relationship can go on. Actually, <laughs> I am too tired. It all ends uh, in heartache, misery. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was. It was the what, definitely the most overwhelming thing I saw. And this was a year where I saw Angels in America. Yeah, both parts. Um, Angels in America is a finer play. Um, Six Degrees of Separation is a finer play. The Normal Heart is better at what it does. Um, I think Normal this, Heart is like the best at what it does. It is amazing at yeah. what it does. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. And that last, the last version I saw, which was the Agreed. last Broadway version, amazing. Uh, was incredible. And um, everybody in that was mm-hmm. just amazing. Um, there was a boys in the band element to it as well. Just the gathering of gay men together and stuff like that, which I also saw this year. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a bit of torch it, song. It's a bit said. of torch song, absolutely, which we saw. Um, this this was just overwhelming. It was overwhelming. I'm completely glad I saw it. See, I go, as you know, I like short things. I like when there's when it's just it is edited within an inch of its life. This is the opposite. But yeah, I do kind of like the epic ones. Like the mm-hmm. ones that are so long that you're like, this is a marathon. Yeah. This takes energy to really get through. Oh, yeah. I think it's the two-hour ones I have. I have not. I, I don't for, like the middle. For all that I have struggled to explain, I have not. I'm sure I've ignored three main plot points mm-hmm. and like four characters. Yeah. Like, like that, it sounds, that, that is considering the. Considering how long it took us to get to. A very minor part of it. I'm not surprised. I the um, I loved seeing John Benjamin Hickey on stage. I thought he was he he. It's funny because he's a subtly great actor. Yeah. He, in a way, he's kind of the same every time I see him. I think he's the father in Pitch Perfect, and he oh, yeah. and he plays it exactly the same yeah, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yet completely believable in the role he's playing, and completely dynamic on stage, even though he's just kind of he plays a good con- like. Um, counterpoint he does i i think i'm almost positive he was in the normal heart okay. i think he was the person who was like you gotta stop 
Larry. Like, you gotta... He was, <laughs> Is that a line? No, but he was like... I think he was <laughs> Larry's boyfriend. Like, he was like, okay. you're dying. Like, you can't do oh, this anymore. Everybody okay. hates you. You can't... I have that playbill somewhere. Yeah. I can, I can find it. You could it. also Google it. Uh, yeah, I suppose we no. Google it. And um, the guy who played... Uh, so the actor, Samuel H. Levine, who's not particularly well-known. I looked it up. He's not in that much stuff. Um... He's the one who played Adam Leo. Uh-huh. Um, he just had a kind of stage presence mm. factor. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, he was pretty great. Magnetic. He was pretty great, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and um, and then Toby was kind of the big showy character of kind of the, kind of an Andrew Rannells type performance. Oh, okay, yeah, You know, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of big, lots of, you know, yeah. just everything and everywhere. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, I mean... Wow. You're exhausted just hearing I'm about it, right? I'm so tired. I'm so tired, too. <laughs> um, but I'm glad we got to the bottom yeah, of it. Yeah, I just want to check my... I just want to see if there was anything... I mean, how, how often am I going to get a chance to talk about That's it? That's true. Um, uh, yeah, no. That, I pretty much... That was it. Uh, ...covered everything. Um, yeah. That's it. Oh. I, yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, that was a lot. It was epic. I know. It was epic. Much like the play. Much was like the, the inheritance play. The, the inheritance of history? Like, was that... Like, yes, okay. yes. The inheritance means not just literally the house. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there are other things, and I think these are plot twists that happen in Howard's End. Like, um, at first, Henry Wilcox, so the the Henry gives this house of bad memories to right. his partner. It's his, in his name. The partner writes a will where in the will he gives it to Eric, Henry Wilcox's evil sons. Oh, he has two evil sons. I didn't even bring them up. Yeah, he had two evil sons. They convince Henry to rip up that part of the inheritance and not give it to him because who is this guy to get this house? They're greedy and they want to keep everything. Henry feels guilty about that and eventually goes and and introduces himself to Eric to get to know him. And that's how they meet. Got it. So it is like, you know, the inheritance has like 17 meanings. Got it, got it, got it. Um, okay. There's no, <laughs> there's no lack of ways to interpret mm-hmm. the inheritance mm-hmm. in terms of the the title. It really contains multitudes. This play. it contains multitudes, uh, multi generations, um, multi men, and, <laughs> um, and Vanessa Redgrave. She's the she's the only woman in it, right? She's the only woman in it, mm-hmm. and she doesn't appear till part two, hour maybe four. the end of Act Two. Oh, hour five. Yeah, right? total of hour like hour five or hour six. <sighs> Yeah, is where she. I'm she sure she was out. like, she was like, I will only do this <laughs> if I could be in one of the two. I'm sure. By the way, is she like a gay icon? I don't think so. No. Why do you think like that? I don't know. I, there, there seemed to be an excitement about her. Oh, she's she's theater royalty. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Especially in London. Okay. She comes from the What's, Red Graves. No, I know she comes yeah. from the Red Graves. What? Yeah. That's a great name, by the way. Red Graves. Such a good British name. Oh my god, it's, this has been epic. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't remember where we started. Yeah. Something about the Golden Globes. All right, perfect. Yeah. Till next time. Till next time. See ya. This is a Midtown East production, recorded in Midtown East for an audience typically headed to Midtown West. Your hosts are Rachel Eli and Jonathan Friedlander. You can download Exit Stage Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please review us and share us with your friends, as we are commercial-free and much like stage actors, desperate for the limelight and your affection. Until next time, this is ESP.
a music critic, nor historian, nor archivist. I cannot tell you where Bruce Springsteen falls in the pantheon of the American songbook. I cannot illuminate the context of his work or its roots in the folk and oral history traditions of our great nation. But I am from New Jersey. And so I can tell you what I believe. And what I believe is this. I believe that Bob Dylan and James Brown had a baby. Yes. And they abandoned this child, as you can imagine at the time, interracial same-sex relationships being what they were. They abandoned this child on the side of the road between the exit interchanges of 8A and 9 on the New Jersey Turnpike. That child is Bruce Springsteen.